and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. Today we have Captain Mike Red Perry. If I just introduce him as Mike Perry, a lot of people aren't going to know who he is, but Red, everybody knows who he is. He actually captains Trident Seafood's flagship ship, the Billiken. How are you today, Mike? Doing great. We're Red. We better just stick with the natural, right? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right, Mike, let's just dive right into it. Where were you born and what was your first introduction into commercial fishing? Well, I was born on the coast there in uh, Aberdeen, Washington. And uh, my first introduction was... Uh, 19 years old on the Alaskan Enterprise. That's a processing boat. Yep, catcher processor. What was your What was your responsibilities, or what was your first job on there? Well, we've we uh, I was a processor, and we worked on the boat in Seattle, and then uh, we sailed to to Dutch Harbor and uh, out to the out to the Bering Sea there for. Uh, for tanners, actually, that first winter. How long were you out? Well, I don't know. We we went out for in and out of town, you know, for a couple of weeks at a time, and, and uh, it was a three month voyage. So, from a for a nineteen year old kid leaving Washington, Seattle. Yeah. Uh, how was that first experience riding up to to Alaska? Um, the ride was fine. Um, I I didn't understand being seasick, but. Uh, I was. <laughs> I got used to it, so, but uh, that was a different experience, and uh, the ride was fine. The work was probably the hardest I ever worked in my life. What was your job on the line? Mm, well, we were butchering, packing, you know, the usual. We pretty much, the processors did everything. We butchered and packed and, you know, worked in the freezer and pretty much did it all, and then the... I didn't process that long. I probably processed for, oh, maybe a couple weeks. Somebody got hurt on deck or, or got sick of it. And I started uh, started doing bait on deck. Then somebody came in and asked me, and I said, sure, I'll go out there. So, Is that where the hard work started, or well, started that's, downstairs first? Well, that's where the hard work started was out on deck there. we, we uh, that's That's when it was... What did I get myself into? <laughs> well, tell us some of the details. What did you get yourself into? Well, I was doing bait, and, uh, you know, we were, of course, we were getting lots of lots of junk, and, and we didn't have a sorting table back then. We sorted out of a tote. So we would dump the pot into the totes and fishing. We were fishing Baradai, and we were fishing right there outside Dutch, so we were getting a lot of... A lot of Baradai and Opie's mixed, and and we would uh, we would take the totes and sort out of the totes, and then if the tote if we weren't done with the tote by the time the next pot showed up, then we just dump it in the middle of the deck, and then uh, by the time that string was over, we'd usually have a nice nice pile of crab to work on, mm -hmm. and uh, so we we work was just. Uh, it was a 20 hour a day work day. We usually worked 20s and 4s. 
on sleep shifts. And then, Twenty on, four off. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that was my that was my first winter experience, and it was okay because we all made money. And you know, when you're that age, you, your your mind has a way of forgetting how hard it really was until you until you go back. <laughs> you get back home with that <laughs> wad of cash. And... Exactly. You know, I got home and and I think I had fifteen thousand bucks in my pocket and shit. Back in 1982, that was a lot of money for a kid. So I thought I was rich. What'd you buy? What's the first thing? Well, I went and bought a car. Yeah, I went and bought a bought myself a car because I didn't have the car I did have. I gave to my brother, and, and so. Uh, what was the car? The car was a was a '76 uh, LTD two two door. Yeah, it was a it was a dandy. Yeah, it was it was a nice little a nice little car. I put some craggers on it, and some glass packs, and I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, how long before you decided that that was going to be it? You were going to go back? Well, I went home that winter and uh, played around for the spring, and and uh, before I knew it, they they were doing uh, start tendering up in up in uh, Alaska there, and they called me and said, "Time to go." Okay. Got a plane ticket and. Away I went. I didn't even know what I was in for again until I got up to Igigig, landed on the beach in a with a little airplane, and they skiffed me back out to the boat or out to the boat there, and we we were processing. So yeah, all right. Oh yeah. So you were tendering, and and obviously this boat was a processor, so you're actually yeah. Tendering. We were processing salmon. They had uh, they had a. Uh, a boat called the Express next to us, and we were putting all the product on the Express, and we were processing salmon. Yeah. Were you still a deckhand? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So you yeah, kept yeah. that spot. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was working on deck. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how was that experience different from from your first season at Gravit? Well, it was just it was twelve on and twelve off, so it wasn't so grueling, mm -hmm. and so we had a little more fun doing Not it. Not quite as cold. Yeah, it wasn't quite as cold, and we had you know there was a little more off time, so we. So it was a little more fun, but uh, but you know it was it was okay. How long did you uh, end up on that boat? Staying oh, on? I was on uh, Alaska until probably eighty-seven or eight. Probably eighty-eight. I think I got on the Westward Six Wind. Six years. Yeah, I actually I worked on deck on the boat, and uh, then I actually did a little engineering on there and mating. And then I ran it in, um, I ran it in 86. I was pretty young too, I was just a kid. And because they- I put you at 25. Yeah, I was like 23 the first uh -oh. first um, first time I ran it. First summer I ran it, I think it was 23. It was just a weird, just a weird situation. The captain got sick and had to go home and I was mating for him and, and Francis didn't have anybody else. So I just, so he, he just, Francis asked Dick, his kid, he asked him, who's on a boat that can steer it? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and Dick told him, well, Red's on there. And so that was it. I took the boat for the rest of the summer. And I uh, had a good engineer. I had an experienced engineer, so I didn't have to worry about the engine room. And uh, I got some guys that I worked on deck with that were mating for me. So we did okay. We got It was beginner's luck. Were I got you, out there. and Were you nervous? Oh, I was a wreck. It was just a complete wreck but you know when you're when you're that age you just you never you never really sleep you just kind of you just you're on adrenaline the whole time mm -hmm. but yeah it was a 
it was a good experience because I got lucky. We the crabs started biting and we started catching crab, and I didn't have to. I didn't have to freak too bad about catching them. We just had to get them down the hatch, process them up, and we delivered in uh, St. Matthew there. Oh. Yeah, we delivered one trip in St. Matthew, and then we brought the next trip home to uh, Dutch Harbor there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, guys should, was, you guys should Google St. Matthew. That's the. Uh... Yeah, St. Matthews. That's a long ways up there. That's you know back then in the summer we used to fish opies up into you know April May. So, so how, we could, how long was that season when you? That season started uh, January and, and and ended in you know the guys we used to catch a quota sometime around May. You know those were big, those were good sized quotas. Mm. I don't remember the how big they were, but they were they lasted a while. We fished, we fished all the way up to, you know May or maybe even first of June. I don't remember, but it was late. It was, it was the sun would be out all day long. I mean it barely get dark, so it had to be getting close to summer and then you drove the boat back down to dutch i took it back down to dutch yep and uh and then the next season i uh you know the captain was feeling better so next the next winter we came up he uh he he drove the boat for a little bit and and then uh he just said i don't know one day he said no that's it i'm out of here i'm going home bought his own boat he works on the coast. <laughs> works on the coast now. Francis's boy there, Ron. But yeah, no, it was. Uh, so then I took the boat from then on. '86. I, I, uh, I think the winter of '86. I, I took it from then on. I was young, and we were all just young. I, mean, I remember delivering. <laughs> I remember delivering to. Uh, to the Western Pioneer boats, and they'd, they'd call us the Adolescent Enterprise. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had a bunch of kids on the deck, and they all had Mohawks, and I was young, and everybody was just a bunch of kids, you know. And, but we caught crab. We did We did all right. Wait, did you say you had a Mohawk? No, the guys did. The guys oh. on deck did. We'd pull up to the freighter, and they'd just be like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah. so you said you ran that for the next number of years. When... Yep, I was there till I think I think it was like '88, and uh, we were we were experimenting with some long lining on the boat and stuff, and uh, and Walt Casta looked was looking for someone to take the westward wind, and so Francis asked me if uh, I wanted to do something like that, and I said, well, sure. Am I going to come back here for crab? And I didn't know how that was going to work, you know. I was kind of scared because, you know, I was born and raised on Alaskan, so it's the only boat I really knew. And What's the difference? So I was a little, well, just the different different boats. As, you know, I knew that boat like the back of my hand. I knew the engine room and I knew everything, you know, everything. And when you get on a new boat, you don't, you know, you got to, it's a little uncomfortable at first. But uh, Craig Sanis was running the Westward Wind and he showed me the whole boat and, you know, and the engineer walked around with me too and I, Got to know that boat too. Was that a catcher processor as well? Yes, we were catching and processing on there too. And uh, I took it for long lining, and we went out west, did some black cod. We didn't do very well. Crabbers tried to long line. We were just we were greenhorns. We just didn't know what we were doing. Lost a bunch of gear. <laughs> I've learned a lot since then, but but uh, yeah, we we didn't know what we were doing. But. Uh, that after that, I Francis asked me what I thought of the boat, and I said, "Shit, I love it." I mean, the Westward Wind is just a Cadillac. 
So, and they had a brand new house on it. And um, he asked me what I thought. I said, this shit is nice. Nice boat. I, I like it. He says, well, why don't you, what do you think about taking it, you know, and, and letting, you know, another guy have the Alaskan. And I said, sure, I'll take it, crab fishing. And so after that, I stayed on that boat for the next probably four or five years, six years maybe. Mm-hmm. I was on it for a while. Westward Wind was a really, I mean, when it comes to a ride, you just can't beat them. these big schooners. They're nice rides. Mm-hmm. How long was she? She's 160. Oh, yeah, big girl. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, they, they put 30 feet into it when, hey, when Arctic Alaska, when Arctic Alaska, uh, went public they ended up um putting yeah. putting 30 feet into it and putting a bunch of work to it well they had to put the house on it that's what they did they had a fire they had a fire and they put a new house on it and then they added 30 feet to it yeah mm-hmm. where'd you go after her then i ended up on the royal enterprise i was on uh, i was on the royal for a couple three seasons also a catcher processor yep royal enterprise was a catcher processor it was a, it was a big one. So when did you when did you start coming back down to smaller boats? I shucks, I was after that. I I ended up on the after the Royal Enterprise in the '90s. I ended up on Francis sold Arctic Alaska, and he was dabbling around with uh, boats like the Mr. B and and those boats. And so I jumped in '98. I jumped on the Mr. B with him, and uh, and we. Crab fished it, cod fished it. It's funny you say that because I was on the Mr. B in 1993. Okay. Or 94, maybe Before, 94. Yeah. yeah. So. You were on there? Yeah. When they were down in Africa, maybe? Or no? no, no, no. We were in Bristol Bay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was uh, my second boat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was on the Mr. B for probably five years. We spent, that was five years. It was it was quite an experience. Have you seen her lately? Yeah, I have. They, it sounds like they redid it again. Now she's the Glacier Bay, I think, is what her that name boat's is. been retroed so many times. It looks like a Cadillac now. No, it it was a you know when after we had it, um, in I think right around two thousand, uh, Francis sold it to Glacier Fish, and they made a longliner out of it, and then, um, and I actually sailed on the boat as the mate, for longlining, and. And then I ran it for a short while, longlining, and I, I just didn't, didn't care for it, so I so I went back to crabbing. But but uh, but yeah, no, the boat. Uh, I guess they took uh, all the longline equipment back off of it, and now it's a processor again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it mm-hmm. looks it looks great. It was a heck of a sea boat. We took it. We had it over in. Uh, we we fished it in the Gulf. For those red crab, deep sea red crab, we longlined pots out there, and then uh, we ended up on the east coast out of Norfolk, out of uh, Virginia there. So did you go through the uh, Panama Canal on her? Uh, yes. We I didn't take the boat through. I didn't take the boat down there, but a friend of mine took the boat around, and and then I jumped on it when we got down there. Have you been able to make that pass through there? I did. I when when the boat came back, when it came back, I took it back around there through there, and it was quite an experience. That was pretty crazy. That, yeah. that seems to be absolutely everyone's bucket list. Yes. Yeah, so the, the canal was, was quite an experience. i never seen nothing like it. 
I mean, they put lo little locomotives on you and drag you through there. Pretty cool. Pilot was cool. He'd come on the boat, and and uh, it was it was all right. It was it was quite an experience. We uh, before that though, before we took the boat back around, we spent some time. Um, you know, we tried the red crab over there, and then we we didn't have we didn't know what to do with the boat because then. Nymphs put limits on us over there during that red crab fishery, so so we ended up uh, so we ended up taking the boat and going to Newfoundland. We ended up on the Grand Banks because we knew there were some opies over there, and uh, so we were going to fish some opies. We were going to go outside international waters and fish opies on the Grand Banks. Try it anyway. Yeah, we uh, so we. So we went over and uh, and did some prospecting, and as soon as I saw when I got over there, as soon as I got out of that warm water and started seeing the cool water, I could tell because it was greener, it had some algae in it, and, and I thought, hmm, this looks good. This looks like Bering seawater. So we started dumping gear, and, and and there was opies there. We ended up with we ended up seeing some opies, and they were nice opies, but. Like I said, Canada had a different idea. They didn't like us out there, so so they 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 got mad at us and and drug us into into Saint uh, what is that town over there? Saint John, and we spent a week in litigation there at Saint John or two weeks with crab on board. With crab on board, and they ended up they ended up taking the crab, and uh, we. We settled out, and they, they let us go, and we settled out of court. And it was just, uh, don't do that again. And they really didn't have the jurisdiction to not let us fish out there, but it, it would have been a court battle, and Francis didn't want to do it. So. Fishing in my water. Yeah, he was, I mean, he already had the insurance company, you know, this is a this is a wrongful seizure, and, you know, he was, and, you know, he was going to give him the boat. He said, you guys can have the boat. I'll just call the insurance company you know and, and so they didn't want the boat they're like no no we don't want the boat so they let us go and, and it just we ended up having to go back over there and go to court and it was no it was no big deal yeah it was just don't do that again just, yeah okay whatever okay. but it was okay so anyway then we brought the boat back and that's when we went in the shipyard and 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 gussied up a little bit and then headed back around through the canal there and then glacier fish took it over from there did you yeah. stay with it I stayed with it for a little bit, and then I, I bailed on them. Um, ended up at uh, Blue North after that. That was like 2004. Yeah, I think 2004. I took, I think I took the Blue North for Blue North Fisheries. There we went crab fishing, and then, uh, and then I ran, ran their longliners for a little bit. I was running the Blue at two for a little bit, the Blue Pacific, and. Uh, and I, I ended up with some uh, uh, just marital issues, and kids were kids were looking to have a parent at home. So I, so Mike and Pat at Blue North there, they were gracious enough to give me a job in the office, and I went home and spent four years in their office at home, taking What's care of What's a guy like kids. you doing in office? I was their government affairs. Uh, officer but and from all that experience you got there in uh, Canada, I don't know <laughs> what it was. Yeah, right. I don't know what it was, but it it was it was nice to have the boat experience 
and then have be in the office to see the other end of it you know the other clerical end and the and all the the logistic stuff and and uh, and the governmental stuff you know the nymphs and and uh, coast guard stuff and all the permitting i did all the permitting for the boats and all that stuff and it was good experience actually and mike and pat were you know they they were they were good to me because i i needed a job to be home mm -hmm. you know with the kids and and so it uh it worked out okay yeah it was a good experience learned a lot well obviously you came back we we're sitting in st paul yeah yeah no i i i tried another job i ended up leaving blue north and i went to westport tried another job in a in a plant that was going to help manage and that didn't work out and then a good buddy of mine jim england he called me one day and said he has a deal in argentina and he needs a captain for a crowd boat and okay i said sign me up i'll do her <laughs> so i so then, yeah, so then i went to argentina and that was an experience in itself it was uh how are the crab there and what species well we were fishing king crab and uh, they're a smaller species, but they're, they, they taste the same. But uh, we, uh, we, had, we had refitted Russian trawlers. I think they were about 170 footers, something like that. And uh, we were longlining with them. And it worked out pretty good. I was impressed. Jim set up most of it. And he set up the one boat, and then when they had another boat, they were they're putting together. I got involved with it and helped them put the put. Now, what year was on. this? This would have been 2009. Okay. When I went down there, I, uh, 2010, maybe 2010, I went down there, and um, that was a great experience. Still too. a U.S. crew, or was it? We had when I first went down there, we had myself, and I had a mate, and I had a factory foreman and I believe there was a couple of deckhands so there was like maybe five of us on the boat and then the rest of the 20 guys were were Argentinians yeah sometimes I've heard um, and I haven't fished overseas anywhere but sometimes I've heard you have to have a percentage of your crew be local yes oh no these were these were Argentinian flag boats, so they had they had a master and a mate and, and engineers and, and all that stuff on there too. You know, they had all the officers they needed, and we were just more or less uh, advisors. And then I ran the boat for the for the fishing part of it. I ran it for the fishing part of it, okay. and so we were more or less advisors. And uh, you know, and then and the but but over really the the authority was with the Argentinian captain. You know, and, and if he was, if he got nervous about anything, then I would explain to him what we're doing. And, you know, if he started getting nervous, if the weather come up sometimes, he'd be like, whoa, dude, you all right? And I go, yeah, we're okay. This are you, bad. I said, are you scared? And he's like, well, maybe. maybe I go, bit. well, we'll slow down then. We'll slow down a little bit and maybe we'll take a little break here later. But I think the guys are fine. We'll take as, a break later. As long as we can keep the guys, with, you know, as long as we can keep them safe and there's no... There's no waves coming over the rail. They're okay as long as we tie things down, you know, and, yeah. and everything's going to be all right. And, but uh, but we shared the responsibility, and, and they're, they're good guys. Those guys were great crews. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. We'd, we'd come to town and do repairs for three, four days, you know, at a time. And holy crumb. We'd have a lot of fun. Oh. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We met a lot of nice people. and 
Just a little alarm going off there. <laughs> yeah, it's no biggie. It's probably, probably an alarm for the tank there. He's pumping it out. Okay. But yeah, no, it was a, it was a good experience. We I was down there for, you know, on and off for four years, and um, they paid us well, and we caught lots of crab. I remember one year I think we put up 2,500 tons of king crab. Wow. Between the boats, yeah, we put up a lot of crab. How, how do they treat their fishery? I mean, you know, up here in Alaska, it's so it's sustainable. I mean, it's very well regulated, and uh, quotas obviously. How, how did you find it over there? Well, I did deal with some of their, their regulators, and uh, they work hard at it to make it sustainable, you know, and to to monitor the quota. But there's a little, you know, we get there's a little corruption, I think, involved in there, you know, with the politics and everything. And so, you know, a few guys got their hands out once in a while, and so that, that, uh, that gets expensive for the companies. And uh, so that makes it difficult to, you know, for them to make money if, if they're constantly having to pay for things. And, and uh, but generally, overall, like they, you know, we had observers on the boats and uh, they, they, they're watching the fishery. There's no doubt about it. You know, they've, they definitely watched what we put up for quota. And uh, yeah, they, they work on it. It's just not quite as regimented as we have it but but they do they definitely have a board of fisheries and they 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 watch it yeah so how did you get back on this side so that was coming to an end so we first we had five guys or so on the boat five or six guys and slowly they they you know they dwindled us down they said well we don't need the your deck guys because our deck guys know what they're doing and you know and i agree they, their deck guys learned quick they were you know, those guys were perfectly, perfectly capable of doing the job that my guys were doing after they figured it out, you know, and, and everybody was was on the same page. So so we got they got rid of the deckhands, and then, you know, the next the next year we got rid of, you know, some of the other process guys that we didn't need. And, and before we knew it, we had one factory foreman and myself. So there was just two of us on the boat. So pretty soon someone got figured out the factory foreman yeah, spot. Yeah, somebody, you know, eventually the factory foreman, you know, he was done. And, and, and in the end, I was by myself, which was fine because I knew all the guys. And, and it was it, it was still a good gig. And and then they, they ended up selling the company. A company named Batonicos had the company, and they ended up selling it and uh, to uh, some outfit in, I think, Venezuela or maybe Peru. I forget who bought it. Some Peruvians, I think, bought it. But, but anyway, the company that had it, they were great people. They they were excellent. Never always paid on time, and and they were they were a good bunch of guys. The guys that had the company, Bentonicos. Yeah. And then after that, we just, I, you know, one trip they said, well, this is it. I don't think we're going to need you after this. They're going to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. No problem. I got on the phone with Christian. <laughs> I tried it. Yeah, Christian was a trident there, and, and and Christian and I had worked together, you know, at Arctic Alaska years and years ago, and we stayed in touch. and And he said, "Well, he says, let me poke around, let's see what I can find." And and uh, the first year on here, I ran it for tendering. And um, yeah, and then just things just unfolded from there, pretty much. I ended up. 
the fella that was on here just ended up ended up retiring and and uh, so so it worked out. So here you are. Nice boat. Yeah, this is a. It's a Cadillac. Oh no, this is a nice boat. It's a really nice boat. It needed a little TLC, but we've been working on it. And You're coming up on thirty years then. Yes. No, I've I've been doing this for yeah since eighty two. Yeah. So thirty four years. Working it. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in that time, can you recall your scariest experience? My scariest experience was probably um, back in the Alaskan Enterprise days. We we were fishing opies, and uh, we were fishing up around the fifty-eight line. I remember, and it was a very cold winter. And I forget what year it was. It was probably maybe eighty-seven. And uh, we had we had been fishing for about a week and a half, and we were getting full. And uh, the ice was horrible. I mean, we were just stacking ice on the boat. It just, I mean, just wicked cold. And uh, we were getting close to going and delivering, and and uh, and uh, we were bucking into it. And and I looked down on the bow, and the friggin' water wasn't running off the bow. It was, I mean, Alaskan Enterprise got a huge bow on it. The water was coming over the bow, and it was laying up there. And it was going back and forth, and I was like, whoa, that don't look good. It wasn't draining off the bow. And so then I realized that we were, you know, we were heavy on the nose, you know, just from all the ice, you know. And and so I freaked. I Everybody got up. I got everybody up. We, uh, the, what had happened is the ice had built up by the stairs back there. And actually blocked the way for the water to get out. So you had a big tub up there. There's a big tub up there, yeah. And it was just crazy. It was just a, just more ice than I than I thought we were actually gathering. It just it, it was building so fast that we couldn't keep up with it. So yeah, we got everybody up, turned the boat around, and ran with it for I don't know. Probably took us about four or five hours to get that. You know, and I had a big crew on the boat. And everybody got up, and we chipped all the whole bow off and everything back there by the by the wheelhouse there and everything and and I, that was probably my scariest moment because then I realized that we were getting compromised you know with with stability because the boat felt weird too it just felt really heavy and uh, I just didn't realize it till till I saw that water laying up there and I went whoa yeah this is not good you guy responsible yeah no I was you know and I, I just I just didn't realize how much how much ice we had up there but uh, ice, uh, ice takes a lot of boats. Yes, and it's we it's just lost one luckily, a few weeks ago. Yeah, no, it's so dangerous, and you know, since then I've been, you know, I've learned over the years that you know you just don't, you just don't do it, you know. So I've learned over the years that it's not worth it. You just, you just chip it off, and if it, if you can't chip it off, you go find cover, you know, and get out of there. So, mm -hmm. what is uh? What has fishing given you that you probably wouldn't have had if you didn't choose this? Uh, but what have you gained from it? Well, gain a worth a work ethic. You know, we we know how to work. That's for sure. And I don't know. Of course, it's been a sustainable living for years. You've got lots of. Yeah, I think I think you lost a generator. I don't know what happened. 
what's going on there. I think he's he's running that little forward generator, so I don't know what happened. But yeah, I don't know. Gives you it's a, there's a satisfaction of going fishing. You get to go home and relax, you know. Yeah, what do you do with your off time? Yeah, we we just I don't know. You go find find sometimes you go find a warm spot to sit. <laughs> <laughs> Got enough of the cold. Yeah, sometimes you want to go do that, or you know, sometimes you want to go spend some time with the kids and stuff. So we, we both have, we both have uh, grandkids now. So, so we got some grandkids, and we go spend some time with them and and uh, do some playing. How how long do you see yourself doing this? Well, that's a good question because uh, it, it comes up now and again uh, with. Me and my wife, we talk about it all the time now. So, so we've been. We've, you guys talk about it, or she talks about it. W- she talks about it, and so I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I I, th- I think I don't know. I I think uh, we we're just trying to get enough. You know, you got to get enough money stacked away so you think you can retire. Yeah. And uh, we've been working on it. Probably I don't know. I can see me doing it into my probably early 60s, maybe. Maybe do some tendering in my golden years. You bet. A little vacation. <laughs> we'll take the wife out tendering. Yeah, exactly. No, we can do some tendering. I don't know how long I'll be crab fishing, but but uh, the tendering's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun tendering. Yeah, we'll see. What, uh, what advice would you have for young guys trying to get into the industry? Oh, boy, it's a tough fishery for, for the young guys now, you know. It's... Uh, I don't know. They can still make a good living. Just keep their nose to the grindstone and and uh, don't go from boat to boat. Stay on a get on a boat and stick it out and work your way up the ladder. That's what I would tell the guys because I see a lot of guys bouncing around from boat to boat. That's hard because you're always learning, you know, a new rig, and it's easier if you stay on the same boat and learn it. And, you know, once you get the experience as a maybe an engineer or maybe do some mating or do some driving on the boat then you can go to another boat and makes you more valuable but who can steer the boat yeah who can steer the boat exactly that's what he said to dick that's what dick told me anyway mm-hmm. who's on there that can steer that thing we'll probably wrap it up here red we got there are lots of noises happening We're, he's currently sitting here on the billiken uh offloading his opelio crab in st paul alaska probably what, a couple more hours and he'll be done yeah hopefully We'll get get back out there and see if we can get these things caught and get back home eventually. <laughs> Is the boat going back home? This, this no, the boat will not go home. We'll be tight and Dutch. Okay. And so then we'll plane ride. Yep, we'll take a plane home this time and, and tie the boat up in Dutch and come back up for tendering here in June. Awesome. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. It covers it. Well, thanks for taking the time to sit down and absolutely and tell the story. All right, guys. That's been another installment of Galley Stories, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Galley Stories. We hope you like what the net brought in. Please leave us a review on iTunes, whether you like it or not. We're not fishing for compliments. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter, too, and reach out to us at galleystories at gmail.com.